This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Well, from time to time, we all make an appointment with a doctor. We call it a checkup, we call it a physical, we call it a medical examination. And we do this when things are going wrong, but we also schedule these when things are going well. And more than in the past, we realize from a health perspective that even if things appear fine on the surface, it's still important to understand what's going on underneath. In a spiritual sense, the same principle is true. Although things on the surface can be going well and may appear good, our actual spiritual condition underneath might need some examination. There might be something else going on entirely. So this morning, in order to have a spiritual exam, we want to come to Jesus. We want to see what his word says. Uh, We want it to reveal the condition of our lives, our motivation, and our hearts. And so this morning, I'd like you to uh, invite you into a conversation with Jesus that a man had with him about 2,000 years ago, as if it were our conversation. And we want to imagine the scene like we're a part of that crowd having that conversation with Jesus. So let's just kind of imagine the disciples are around, the families are there, Um, The sun is warm. I don't mind that part. Uh, There's trees around, the palm trees, the olive trees, the fig trees. Um, And it was just then that Jesus blessed the children uh, that had gathered there. And being a family service, the kids in our midst only help us recreate that scene even more. As all the families had gathered there and the the disciples were uh, were actually trying to get the kids to to leave. And Jesus said, no, no, stay. Uh, I want to bless them. And right after that, in Matthew 19, uh, we see a young, rich ruler approach Jesus to ask him a question. And that's where our story starts. That's where our conversation, uh, is that where we're going to enter? And we driv- we've divided this uh, conversation up into three sections. Am I possible, impossible with man, and possible with God? Um, so let's have that conversation. Uh, let's read in there. Let's see what motivates us. What we, are we living for? Uh, Are we seeking a heavenly inheritance? Are we fully pursuing the kingdom of God? Uh, Verse 16, Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Said Jesus, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? And we see on the surface, there's a man who's pursuing Jesus. He's asking about eternal life. He's trying uh, to find out what is good. He's familiar with scripture. He is intent on keeping the commandments. And he would seem to be a good person. And in today's world, 
we can make those same comparisons. A good Christian of today might approach Jesus uh, with their heart. They might desire eternal life. They might believe Jesus has the answer. They might gather with others in religious conversation. They might seek truth. They might read scripture. They might obey scripture. They might ask Jesus for a blessing. And in the eyes of both the young rich ruler and today's good Christian, the person would have an appearance of living a spiritual life, being concerned with spiritual things. But sometimes the appearances can be deceiving. Let's look at our young rich ruler. As soon as he informed Jesus that he had kept the commandments, we are alerted to a heart issue. And Jesus tried to redirect his thoughts on the truth about who God was. But the young man was too busy trying to point out to Jesus how good he was. He was trying to justify himself. In some ways, we should probably see this as comical. Can you imagine pointing out to Picasso how good your drawing is? What about showing your short story to William Shakespeare and trying to impress him? What about telling Michael Jordan about what a great dunker you are on your Nerf hoop? Uh, this man was telling Jesus that he was a good person and that he was kept, keeping all the commandments. Uh, meanwhile, Jesus is trying to teach him that the definition of good is God alone. God alone is holy. God alone is righteous. God alone can judge if someone can be declared good or uh, if God wants to declare someone righteous. Only God can do that. He alone is good. And yet this man is seeking to justify himself. And just as a definition, we want to kind of understand what justification means in the biblical sense. Justification is the status one might have in order to have eternal life. It's being declared righteous. Okay, So this man, who was so focused on himself, couldn't see that goodness or righteousness was a quality that only God could have. He thought he could be justified by his good deeds and that eternal life could be earned. He thought that he could add a heavenly inheritance to his earthly prosperity. Let's read on. Uh, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So Jesus is now revealing to him his heart even further. He asked that question before uh, about the definition of good to try to stop the, the train of thought. And now he's taking it one step further. He's just saying, this is what you need to do. By asking the rich young ruler to sell all his possessions, Jesus is untangling his beliefs, his motivations, and his actions, and exposing whether or not the man is living for the kingdom of God. What is the most important thing in this man's life? Is his heart set on following Christ and nothing else? Is this treasure in heaven or on earth? When the man walks away devastated, we have our answer. He only came to Jesus to add more to his life. 
He only came to Jesus to add to his riches. He only came to Jesus to add to his social status. Perhaps in that crowd of people, uh, Jesus was supposed to affirm him as being a good person. He couldn't understand that goodness, eternal life, justification, and the kingdom of heaven are impossible with man. Jesus knows that too often, false beliefs, worldly philosophy, and wrong motivations can overtake our hearts. In fact, we are constantly exposed to to thinking that elevates mankind. And although we know truth, our hearts and our minds can be infected. It's hard to overstate how often some lies get worked into mainstream thought. In, in, in our, in our postmodern culture, um, it's everywhere. And here are, some, here are two examples I just want to put out there. There's false teaching that we just, we just constantly permeates uh, our, our communities. Uh, we have human nature is basically good. We have good people should go to heaven. If you just ask the average person walking down the street in a survey, uh, uh, are, are people basically good? Uh, they, I, they'd say yes. You just, and, and it's not even something to get tripped up on. It's not even that deep of a, a philosophical issue for people. Yeah, we're, people are basically good. And if you think about it, I mean, if you're a good moral person, well, why, why shouldn't you go to heaven? You know, God's loving and, and I'm not, I didn't murder anybody. Yeah, good people should go to heaven. These are two things that we just hear a lot. However, when Jesus points out that very first truth to the young rich ruler, that only God is good, he exposes these. And let's just follow that one true statement logically downstream and pull back some layers, and we're going to discover um, some real truths that expose things. First of all, if God alone is good, that Jesus put that right in the conversation, that means people are not inherently good. And if people are not inherently good, people do not deserve eternal life. We're just following the logical sequence, right? God alone is good. He's the only one who's holy. He's the only one who's pure. He's the only one who's righteous. People are not like that. Human nature is not up to God's standard of holiness. People are therefore not inherently good. And if people aren't inherently good, they do not have the same fabric of eternity that God does. There's an end, there's a finiteness, there's a corruption, there's a sin. There's a separation from eternity. So people do not deserve eternal life. That just follows that logic downstream. And if people do not deserve eternal life, and they're not inherently good, the next thing that we can conclude is that justification is impossible with man. A person can't decide if they're good enough. They cannot declare themselves to be righteous. They cannot evaluate their own heart. Uh, They cannot judge for themselves between good and bad and declare that they are righteous on their own. So they cannot justify themselves. And if they cannot justify themselves, then living for the kingdom of God is also impossible with man. 
It's impossible. If you're not justified, declared righteous, given salvation, for you to live for eternity for the kingdom of heaven. So we have these four truths laying downstream of the thing that Jesus replied to the rich young ruler. People are not inherently good. People do not deserve eternal life. Justification is impossible with man. And kingdom living is impossible with man. Those fly in the face of people thinking that human nature is good and and that good people deserve heaven. Uh, There's a board game. It's called Life. I'm sure you all are familiar with that. My family was was actually playing that last night. Um, This game is just a great example of of some worldly philosophy. Uh, You you start off, you you spin it once or twice, you get in the car, you go around the bend, and and immediately you're you're locked into an occupation. And whatever this career is, that kind of dictates your pay. The rest of the game, you get the paycheck, and this paycheck adds up, and and you have your life events, and you have your opportunities. And as you kind of cruise around the board, the whole whole purpose of this at the end of life is to retire, and, and then you cash out. And you see who the winner is. All right. And it's just a, it's just a great way to get kids indoctrinated. <laughs> um, if this game were, were in a different version for our rich young ruler, it, w- it would probably have a lot of the same things on it, except the rich young ruler might have had a couple extra boxes where he'd, he'd, he'd stop, talk to Jesus. Obey the commandments. Gather with the religious people. But he'd still be cruising around with the same mindset of his own self-exaltation to finish up his life. And I fear for some of us that we live our lives similar to this. Imagine a Christian version of the game life where if we get a perfect experience through life, we would have a career, have the paychecks, get the success, have the achievement, attend church, read the Bible, talk to Jesus, do our devotions, but we never change the goal of the game. We still want to finish ahead of the others. We still wanted to have everything as comfortable as possible. We wanted to achieve more. We wanted to have more success, more influence, have more people love us and look up to us. If the goal of our life doesn't change from a Christian version of the game of life, then we cannot say that we're living for God. Our heavenly inheritance must change our goal. Our heavenly inheritance must replace our quest for earthly prosperity. And that was what the rich young ruler wasn't getting. Let's read on. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? 
And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So let's familiarize ourselves with the concept of the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler asked for eternal life, and Jesus is offering him treasure in heaven. And both eternal life and heaven are part of the kingdom of God. Okay, the kingdom of God is the synonymous term with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the spiritual reality that exists in eternity and also in our hearts once our sins are forgiven and we can commune with God through the Holy Spirit. But right now, we also live in the earthly kingdom. The earthly kingdom is the kingdom of mankind. It's, it's corrupt. There's evil that exists there. There's sickness and death that, that occur here. And the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of man, uh, is, is one that exists because of separation from God. <clears throat> so to be made alive spiritually, we need to be saved. Only God, who is perfection, purity, holiness, and righteousness, can offer us salvation. In him exists eternal life and perfect peace and joy. And it is in this kingdom of God uh, that Jesus was directing the rich young ruler to focus on an immeasurably greater kingdom than any that he had with his own wealth. But unfortunately, in verse 26, we see that with people, this is impossible. And the, and the rich young ruler had walked away. But God says that all things are possible with him. And justification is possible with God. Although none of us nor the rich young ruler, nor the disciples can contribute anything to justify their current corrupt human nature. But we know there's a way to be justified and have eternal life in Jesus. Romans 5, 8 and 9 says that God demonstrated his own love toward us, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And much more than having been justified, declared righteous, by his blood, Jesus' blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We are saved through Jesus. We are saved by his blood, his life, his sacrifice, his purity. He took our place in order to provide salvation for us. And salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given given to men by which we must be saved. And what is impossible with man is possible with God. Sinners like us can be justified and given eternal life. When I see the rich young ruler not get excited about the treasure in heaven, I get a little alarmed. Jesus is, is not, Jesus is even using tantalizing language, such as the word treasure. He's saying, just forget about your wealth and have treasure in heaven. But it doesn't interest him. And I can only assume his heart was too fixed on earth 
and his immediate wealth and his comfort and his lifestyle and his influence. And he just couldn't grasp the concept of living for the kingdom. But what about our life? What about our life right now here on earth? How does the offer of heavenly inheritance make a difference in our hearts and our motivations right now? There's two truths that we need to see when Jesus is is offering treasure in heaven. The first truth we need to see is that there is no immediate promise of prosperity. Those things that Jesus promised were yet to come. In verse 21, he says, you will have treasure in heaven, will into the future. In heaven, have treasure. It will come at that time. Also in verse 28, we see, in the regeneration, that's another word for renewal, in that time when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, then we will receive many times what was lost. So our heavenly inheritance does not appear to be a tangible earthly, material blessing that we are going to experience right now. And the second truth that we need to see is that our heavenly inheritance is our goal in following Jesus. We are supposed to live now as Jesus lived, for the purposes of advancing the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus came, humbled himself, lowered himself, walked away from his life that he had in heaven to come down as a baby and be a gift for us, a sacrifice for us, we get to follow his example. We are now living to spread the gospel and make disciples, such as Jesus did. And we need our heavenly inheritance to be our navigational point that our hearts line up to. We need it to be the GPS address that we type in that gives us all of our directions. We need it to be the blueprints of the house we are building to find out where the walls and where the, where the appliances and all the doors go. We need it to guide our lives as our goal, as the bullseye of our target. It's easy to allow our corrupt heart and those motivations to take over our life And we need our heavenly inheritance to keep us on track. Let's see uh, in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, that we see a picture of this attitude recorded uh, uh, in the life of Moses. It says that Moses, who by faith, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. Heavenly inheritance replaces earthly prosperity. Those of us who have decided to follow Jesus need this conversation to examine how our lives have been lived recently, in the last year, in the last month, in the last weeks, in the last era of your lives. If we were to have this conversation instead of the rich young ruler, would there be something in our heart that Jesus would have identified? Are we trying to follow God without giving anything up? Let me share with you a story that was published in a book called 12 Lives That Hold America Captive. 
Uh, it's about a kingdom-based coffee shop. Brandon and Faith Lee are a married couple. They started Bird and Branch Coffee, and they're examples of what faithful witnesses look like. They had a dream to start a coffee shop that would serve as a place of refreshment and restoration. They wanted the planet, their employees, and all those who are part of their supply chain, from producer to customer, to be better off because of their business. It now exists for the flourishing of all, as God intended. They treat their shareholders on the same level as they treat their laborers who harvest their beans and their baristas who are crafting each cup. Brandon and Faith quit their jobs to devote themselves to the least of these, uh, giving job training to those who lacked living wages. Um, and these were the people in society that, that, that had, were the furthest down. They, they, they once lived on the street. They committed crimes, and they were sexually exploited. But Brandon and Faith's uh, uh, job training and coffee shop provided uh, an avenue for them to have a better life. Now, their parents, Brandon and Faith, did not come to America with the plan for their children to create jobs for the formerly homeless and incarcerated. That is not America's invitation, and it's certainly not the narrative for college-educated Chinese Americans living in New York City. But that is just one of the possibilities when two people fall in love with Jesus and choose the vision of the kingdom of God over the one offered by America. So Brandon and Faith have built their lives on living for the kingdom of God. They've chosen to set aside their earthly goals and make everything about the kingdom of God. Where they could have defined success the way many people do, earning money, raising successful kids, growing their influence in the community, they did not make those things their goals. They might happen along the way, but their plan was sacrificial. They left behind the prosperity goals of this world to live for their heavenly inheritance. Would you pray with me? Lord, we praise you for revealing the truth of Christ's plan to us. You've made it clear that there is salvation available from no one else. We ask that as we lay our lives before you to repent from our failed attempts at being righteous, that you would renew our gratitude for salvation. As we pray together, we ask that you would also make our hearts receptive to following you if we have not chosen eternal life before. Father, we are grateful for your love. We worship you for being good. We follow you because there is no other truth, no other name by which we can be saved. Help us now by your Holy Spirit to convict us of our motivations. If we need to turn our hearts back to your kingdom, Lord, let us do it today. Let us have the courage to build the entirety of our lives on advancing the kingdom. We believe you when you promise us the blessings of eternity for those who have left everything behind. Help us live out the truth that you have made clear to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.